I want to know the worst product that you have seen on Desperation Row at the PGA show. Hey everybody and welcome back to No Putts Given. I've got Tony, Harry, and Chris and we're ready to talk about some stuff. Let's get it. Talking stuff. All right, guys. So, Harry, we're going to come straight to you today. I know the test facility is busy, but we want to check in with most wanted testing. We're working on drivers, right? How's it going? It's going. It's, uh, you know, we're in full swing right now. No pun intended, right? Yeah, buddy. Uh, we're about, <laughs> I would say, a week and a half in now. Yeah, exactly. A week and a half in. And the winner is. <laughs> yeah. Some guys are in four sessions deep. Some guys are just starting. But it's going really well. It's the cool thing about most wanted driver tests is every person that comes in will will never hit any of these drivers in one fell swoop. We had a guy that came in today and he's a high spin guy, bombs it pretty far, and then can't get his spin rate down for shit. So he had this driver and he was I will say it's an exotics. Uh I can't say which one, uh, because it's under embargo, but the exotics fit his game perfectly. And he has a 123 mile an hour swing speed. And he was hitting like 320 bombs out there. And he was he said like, I would never ever have thought to use this driver because it's not one of the biggest brands out there. Yeah, Tony, you know what? I guess that's something that we, when we're looking at data and thinking about who the winners are gonna be, we don't really think about the experience of our testers that are coming in every day and how unique it is that they get to hit nearly every driver on the market and compare them head to head. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Like Harry probably knows the number off the top of his head, but how many different models we have in this year's test and thirty eight. So thirty eight. <laughs> so it's a, a another big year for in terms of the count. And if you think about the typical retail buying experience, most guys will go into a retail shop. A fitting environment's a little bit different, like a you know club champion, TXG, that kind of place. If you think about when guys go into a retail shop, it's typically, you know, they've already got it narrowed down to two or three drivers. Yeah. And so it's just, you know, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna try these three. And that's my experience set for the season. Whereas in most wanted testing, like over the course of the test, six weeks, two months, whatever it ends up being, like you're gonna hit all 30. What did you say, Harry? 38. So you're going to hit all 38 drivers and, and we're going to capture that data. So it's uh, it's it's definitely kind of a, an experience unlike many others, I would assume. Chris, have you even had a chance to hit all 38 drivers? No, I haven't even had a chance to try all 38 flavors of ice cream I got lined up for this <laughs> month. So that'd be a great question. Like I'd love people to comment on like when you do get fit, how many drivers do you actually go in and, and hit? For my personal driver testing this year, uh, you know, I'll probably hit four or five, but you know, it's always fun to, to look and see, are there more fringe brands? Cause obviously the big five would like you to believe that there's really only five, you know, really, really great options out there. The reality is there's probably legitimately seven to 10 companies that are making really, really solid product. And depending on your specific swing tendencies and characteristics, it may not be what you were expecting when you walked in. So it's a good cautionary tale just around really being uh, brand agnostic in your own approach. Yeah, I think too, when you look at the totality of a, of a test in any year, you can look at one or two drivers or, or maybe even more and just objectively go, man, that's a, that's a bad driver. It just, it just doesn't stack up with the field. 
and then you know drill down deeper into that data and you're like well wait a minute for for this one guy this this mm-hmm. driver which if we look across everybody and say it's bad for this guy it was was absolutely perfect and i think you know to give you kind of a an example that we we've, we've seen several years running now if you look at the ping sft and our strokes gain calculations it typically doesn't do well and that's because it it typically finishes well left of everything else in the test. Like it it goes left. And so if you're reasonably proficient with a driver, going left all the time is bad. But if you go nowhere but right, going left all the time looks pretty good. Right. And so it is. It's, you know, not only just saying, hey, across a whole test, this this was a really good driver, but it's it's trying to identify those ones that that fill these tiny little niches of of the fitting curve and go, yeah, you know what? If you're playing probabilities, not a great driver for you, but if you are this, that, and the other thing, well, you know what? Don't don't take it off your list because for whatever reason, it just works really well for that type of guy. We have seen a lot of lesser brands, lesser known brands that come in here and the guy's just smoking it. Come to the end of the test, he said, all right, so what, what driver are you going to buy now? He says, I'll probably tailor made. I said, no, <laughs> that's not... <laughs> You're, we've, we're telling you, you're going to gain X amount of shots based on strokes gained. And you're just giving that up because it's a lesser brand. No, play what's you perform best yeah. with. Because every, Good luck with that. Yeah, Good luck yeah. With that everyone's ego comes in. So Harry, do you ever paint it to the testers that this really could be a six week fitting process for every single tester that came through? Do they see it that way? Or do they see it as doing a favor for us? Um, that's a good question. I would say that they come in here and, and think it's a really nice opportunity to hit products that no one's ever seen before. Mm. So it's like Christmas, but every day at my golf spice. <laughs> yes, they see it as a fitting experience. A lot of people take it as practice. Uh, okay. A lot of people take it as, I'm in the market for a driver. Let's see which one performs best for me and takes that to heart. Some people just like banging balls with new products. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, but they're all very thankful and we're very mm. thankful of, for those testers to come in and donate their time and a lot of the guys that will come in here they'll they'll know they won't know about lying or they won't know about little tweaks what shafts can do to really optimize your swing and your potential ball speed or distance or accuracy so coming in here they're learning I've seen guys that have come in here at 18 handicaps and walk away at the end of the year with a 10 handicap just because they're learning about the swing and learning what numbers do. That's what I like to see the guys do is trying to figure it out. And you might give them a little hint here and there after testing's done. And then you and then they come back and they you see the progression. That's what is really cool for me. The last thing I would add, right? We talked about 38 drivers. And and giving giving thirty five golfers an opportunity to try all thirty eight. If you think about that, your your typical retail environment doesn't stock thirty eight different yes, models. That's very true. And and if a uh, if a if a consumer came in two to three times a week over the course of six <laughs> weeks to demo all thirty eight, it would be it would be frowned upon to say the least. So, yeah, definitely unique opportunity. Well, Tony, speaking of unique opportunities that you're not going to get this year, I know it breaks your heart to tell you that we're not going to Florida to the PGA show because there isn't one. (laughs) But I wanted to get some input from you guys. A, are you going to miss it? I mean, I don't get to see you guys for the one time a year that we're all in the same place. But otherwise, Tony, do you feel free that you're not visiting booths all week? 
Let me give you some context here. <laughs> as, you, as you may recall, I did not go to the PGA show last year. Mm-mm. And that was because I was literally two days out of the hospital with a pretty severe bout of diverticulitis. And that was better than going to Florida for a week. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Savage you know, analogy. So, yeah, to, to, to be healthy, happy, and not going um, – yeah, I, I I take that as an upside and actually you know. Tony, let's let's face it, you give you sent a text and said I'm actually kind of yes, jealous you that you're I down and you don't know, give me that. I will I will I will say, right? It's it's a mixed bag because I'm one of these and you know, Adam's good friend Buff has has gone to the PGA show a couple of <laughs> times and you know, I, I realized that he and I were the same guy in that you're excited to go, you get to Florida, you and and you've been there. I don't know, eight, 12 hours, you're, you're still a day and a half away from the PGA start show starting. And you're like, why did I come? <laughs> but, but I will say, yes, it is. As I said, it is good to, to go from booth to booth and, and get, get around and, and catch up with the people, you know, in the industry and spend some time with them. And that's, you know, this year, you know, with the pandemic and everything that's going on, the, the stuff that we would normally do, right? The flights out to headquarters for product introductions and things like that, we haven't done. So there are, you know, guys that I've gotten to know over the course of a more than a decade now of being with my golf spy that I just, I, I haven't seen in, you know, it'll, it'll probably a year and a half, two years before I see the guy. So, you know, that part sucks, but if you want to frame it just as the PGA show itself, yeah, no, I'm I'm fine. <laughs> you know, last year was my first PGA show that I've ever been to, and it was actually my first week on the job. So it was very much like drinking from a fire hose. But the one thing that I remember the most was demo day and how frigidly <laughs> cold it was in South Florida. It uh, was beyond miserable. I think it was like 35 degrees and I happened to have my winter coat just to get from the airport in Virginia to Florida. And thank God. Otherwise, I think I would have had to quit on my third day on the job. Because it was I mean, so demo awful. day. It's a toss up. It's <laughs> Always, a crap yeah. yeah. I mean, so we've had like days where you talk about where it's, it's frigid to the point of unbearable. We've had awful. days like I don't, Chris, I think it might have been before you started with us, but Adam it was like a 90 degree day and Adam forgot sunscreen. So his Ooh. like, like he was bright red at the end of the day. You have uh-huh. those kind of days. We had, we had the year where there was the, the massive windstorm yes. thunderstorms roll through. And yeah, I mean, somebody almost died. <laughs> so oh. like, it's just, yeah. So you get a little bit of everything and you never know, but I'm not going to miss any of it. Chris, what about you? Are you going to miss it? You seem to be like a PGA show pro. You you were gung-ho and ready to go. So what I'm going to miss is, is, is the interaction with people. Like I'm a little bit maybe more extroverted. I love walking to the booth, saying hi to people, seeing mm. what's going on. And, you know, there's usually an event every night. You know, this company is sponsoring this event and they got all this food and stuff at this place. And it's been a long time since they've done really good booth parties, like at the end of the PGA show day. But typically, Cobra does a great job with that. So you get like, mm-hmm. they had sliders. Where was I? It's Cobra, you drink, Shrix on, you eat. That's okay, okay I was going to say, I got The boots are right next to each other. And you're just kind of like, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. Yeah. I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. That part of it I'll miss. But I think flipping it around, like just the strict business side, uh, I was talking with a couple of companies this week. And the amount of money that these companies would spend to be there for a week is really exorbitant. And 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 I think part of what they're realizing, you know, the, there isn't that strict return on investment where it's like, mm-hmm. hey, we spent 
you know, X hundred thousand dollars into the millions of dollars for some of the millions, larger companies to be there. I mean, millions. millions of dollars to be there, their staffs, the booth, everything and saying, hey, you know, for a fraction of that cost, they can take media or whomever they want to. There it is. Yeah. Hell yeah, they can. And host those events on their own. And from a, you know, from a brand perspective, you think about that for a second. One, it's cheaper. Two, mm-hmm. when you're at their place, they get to control the messaging, right? So they get to control kind of what you're doing, products in front of you, people, you know, they, they get to cater that experience however they kind of want to. And so I think you're going to see more companies maybe go that route where, where they have an opportunity to do that. And, you know, another thing a lot of people maybe don't realize is how many of these companies are, are really in that Carlsbad area. And so mm-hmm. you could very easily have, you know, kind of a tour to Carlsbad and, you know, be in San Diego and you can hit TaylorMade, Callaway titles, et cetera, and you just go right down the row. So am I going to miss it? Yeah, I, you know, I, I like the social aspect of it. Probably necessitates a My Golf Spy staff retreat. I don't think anyone's complaining about that, are we? No. <laughs> I, and, I, and honestly, I, I miss being around Tony for a week where he, he has to, he, he enjoys parts and then is miserable at others. So not everybody gets out of that experience. How many people get to do that, right? That's special. All joking aside, it really is the only sort of one time that is penciled in on the calendar every year where the entire staff is mm-hmm. is in one place. Well, most of the staff, right? Like I said, Chris said we can handle that with a retreat. And if golf <laughs> companies want to offset the the media exposure they get from the PGA show with a product launch event at, say, Whistling Straits or Bandon Dunes, something like that. That's probably a solid idea. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I would get on board with that. Just I'm saying. just saying. Well, <laughs> this year the events are taking place virtually, right? They're they're making some accommodations. Yeah, it's, it's going to be kind of a, a virtual trade show, if you will. And it's um, okay. kind of interesting for me because, you know, 10 plus years ago, before I started at my golf spy, the company I worked for was actually kind of working in the engineering space to a degree, but actually spun off a division of the business that was dedicated to hosting virtual trade shows. <laughs> so kind of this whole idea of virtual booths and, you know, a lot of that is videos and, and pre-recorded presentations. And, and you're going to see some of that, right? There will be like a virtual PGA show. I don't think anybody, even as late in the game as we are, fully has their heads wrapped around what that looks like. But I know, for example, um, as part of what they're doing, Titleist is going to do a virtual ball plant tour. And and I expect that's what you're going to see industry wide. But, you know, part of the thing we lose track of in, in talking about is there a need for the show is that you know, this was originally kind of a, a buying show, right? You would, you would mm-hmm. go to the show, see all the products and decide what you were going to bring into your shop for that year. You don't need to do that anymore, right? That's that's what the interwebs are for. And so, you know, I, I think companies are going to look very closely at their bottom line and, and what it costs to do it versus what they get back. And, and I think a lot of them are probably going to decide, you know, either we don't need to do this period or we certainly don't need to do it on the scale that we've done it for. And so, you know, I've said this before, like it's not really the beginning of the end because I think the beginning and the end of the PGA show happened a while ago. But I think this accelerates us and puts us solidly in the middle of the end of, of the show as a, as a large industry wide event. Are they going to do virtually Desperation Row? Do you know, like, like we had this thing, right, where Tony and I would walk this area and we'd, we'd walk these, you know, and this is the, 
you know, these are the places where, where you're like, oh my God, God bless this person. But you know, they took their retirement or savings, whatever, and then had this amazing idea. And it wasn't amazing. Some of them semi-amazing, most of them not at all. And like you would walk down, it was just like, you're like, oh my God, this is so desperate. It's not going to work. It's almost like a car crash that you can't help but look at a little bit. And so, right, we'd walk these desperation rows. And I'm going to miss that, Tony. I want to, maybe we can get a virtual desperation row. I kind of want to see the, the wackadoodle ideas from this year. I'm, I'm going to really miss the, the, the portion of the convention center that they could no longer fill with golf stuff and is now part of the racket and paddle show. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So that would, I'm going to miss that. Um, so. so this actually brings me to my hot seat question. I'm going to let you think about it for a minute so that you can really dig in and, and into your memories. But my hot seat question is I want to know the worst product that you have seen on Desperation Row at the PGA show. And while you're thinking about it, Harry, I want to come to you. You get quite a bit out of the PGA show, right? Yeah, this is a completely different experience for me. I don't know what you two are talking about. I actually do work. (laughs) Harry's not old and bitter yet. (laughs) Yeah, this would have been my fourth year if I went this year, I think. Your first year was the Seven Dreamers year, I think. Yes. It would be at least your fourth because I've been there with you two times. Yes. Yeah. So this would have been my fourth. So I get a lot out of it. I do. I I actually work pretty hard just to. Are you saying that the other two don't? (laughs) I work hard. (laughs) These these two just go la-di-da and around. (laughs) I I would like to dispute that, but I do a lot of (laughs) la-di-da-ing. I, I, this is a great opportunity for me to go around the companies and see what new products are coming out within the soft goods category. So for instance, what rain gear that we could include for this year that we've missed in previous years, or when I go to Adidas, I get to see their new product that come out. Like last year's one was the Code Chaos launch and the way that they presented it all was, was awesome. And then I got to talk with the guy who you know, invented the shoe, why they did this. The whole show is an educational seminar for me. I get to learn so much during during those things and and speaking to all these brands. I mean, at the end of the day, the more educated that I am on each product, the better I am when I go to test the product. Yeah, oh, laddie dying, it sounds more fun. <laughs> <laughs> Desperation Row, have you had time to pull the, the memories out? And- oh, it, every time comes right to me. I reckon we're going to come up with the same thing. Tony, you first. What's the worst thing you've seen on Desperation Row? For my first year, um, I walked by and somebody saw my golf spy and my name tag, pulled me over and gave me about a 15-minute introduction of his product, which was called the Chicken Stick. (laughs) And what the Chicken (laughs) Stick... Please explain. At the time, right, this was well, this was when Nintendo Wii was still kind of a bigger thing and you could play Wii Golf. And it was essentially an adapter that was, you know, like this much of a golf club grip and then it held the Wii controller. And so you okay. could actually like swing the controller. Okay. But it was just like just an exhaustive presentation. I'm like, I get it. You you clip it into the thing and you swing. And he's like, yes, but. And I'm like. As I don't think most of you have heard of the chicken stick, I don't think it was a tremendous success. Why was it called the chicken stick? That's my number one question. Why the chicken I stick? Have no idea. No recollection. It didn't have of that. anything to do with it. Every other every other words of sticks were taken. 
Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, it, it did not change uh, either the the golf world or the video game world <laughs> or the poultry world, for that matter. He, he was passionate for sure. So, I mean, if nothing else, right? The name was the name was memorable. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. All right, Chris. What's the worst thing you've seen on Desperation Row? Oh my gosh. Um, there's so many bad ones. Um, the the real clear image, two clear images that I have of Desperation Row is one, like when you're walking down, it kind of feels like people are all reaching out at you, like, "Hey, try this. Hey, try this." And like, it's like walking down the strip in Vegas. Yes, like, and like you, somebody, you need a call girl. You need a, yeah, like this person, like, "Hey, I want to," you know, like they wanted to hook this thing on my back, like. Uh, you know, like oh, oh I saw yeah, that. Whatever, yeah. and it's it, like and, you're getting yeah. And they and they were oddly aggressive, right? I think I was with you when that happened, and I'm walking along, and all of a sudden you're just not there, and I turn around, and you've got like wires coming out of your shoulder, <laughs> yeah, like I got and there's caught. some blonde lady behind you with this box pushing buttons, right? Because like, oh, if no. you Chris if you like, hesitate, that's the thing about desperate show. If you hesitate, I mean, eyes forward, keep going. You hesitate, you stop. You're going to end up with something glued on your back. and, and also Must like maintain like, speed and yeah. momentum. Like you're just Yeah. Then we have the elevator. And the elevator. That's my one. That will live <laughs> in infamy. Leave it for Harry. All right, Harry, tell us about the elevator. Actually, I didn't see it in Des, um, Desperation Row, but it, the, we were lucky to go play Lake Noner the Monday before the show starts. Noner? And we're, we're on this path three, and this guy comes running out. Of nowhere? Yeah, like an Oompa Loompa, like out of the forest. Yeah, he, <laughs> we're, we're, we're walking onto the putting green and he runs out and he goes, this is going to change your life. And it's it's a little stick, but it bends. And then there's like a little nub on the bottom. And he goes, oh, your clubs are going to stay dry now because all you have to do is put this on the end and it retracts and then you just extend it. And then you put it on the ground and then the stick. Flip it down, yeah. Bends at a 90 degree bends angle. Bends at a 90 degree angle so your grip doesn't get wet. It's like a kickstand. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, basically like a kickstand. The funny thing about it was, as Adam was like, I don't want it. Like, I'm fine. And he goes, oh no, you're going to want it. And then <laughs> takes his grip, his putter grip, screws it in. That's right. He just grabbed Adam's putter. Yeah. And, and ruined then, it. And then, and then he goes, hey, this is how it works. Took it out and the grip was ruined. And he was just like, Cheers. <laughs> it's also not Arcos compatible. No. No, but it you could like get the temperature of like a steak. Like it looked like a meat thermometer. Yeah, it does. It does look like a, <laughs> like you pull it out, it's kind of like this meat thermometer yeah. and then it bends down. I may actually have two in the basement because everybody <laughs> got one. Yeah. And then the golf rider that I shared a cart with that day was like, this one's yours too. And then he jumped out of the cart and ran away. <laughs> Again, though, why is it called the elevator? These names are because it, 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 it elevates your club off the ground. Off the ground. There, there okay. was there was one other too that it was a combination divot tool and pencil sharpener. Yeah, very useful. But the funny thing about it was that it was shaped like a tooth because the guy who invented it was also a dentist. So. <laughs> I've got two more. Have you ever, do you remember sling, the slingshot? Oh, on the par three? On the par three, yeah. Yeah, where you so could do- So the guy yeah. was a lacrosse player. Yes, I yeah. was there for- uh, Yeah, so the guy yeah. was a lacrosse player and you put the golf ball and it's like a lacrosse stick and then you fling it. Apparently that's a sport. It was called fling golf or something, I think. Yeah, yeah fling golf. So, yeah. Yeah. I, fling I don't, golf. I don't. Oh, like, like foot golf, but oh, Yeah, but with yeah. lacrosse sticks, yeah. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool because you know you get to- see how far you can throw a ball. So that wasn't too bad. 
Here's, here's one that you guys are going to remember. Vertical groove. The driver. The driver, yeah. Where is that now? <laughs> um, Big John, they spent all their money on John Daly and then... Yeah. Poof, he gone. <laughs> yeah. That driver, I'll never forget though. That was one we, we talked earlier, right? About, about wacky drivers or non-mainstream drivers that test well for an individual golfer. Uh-huh. The year that ver- Vertical Groove was in the test, it was the top performer for Sam. Yeah, it was. Oh, really? yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, he's like, I know, and I think the same year, like he won it. I think at the PGA show, he won a drawing for like a club, the club champion, champion fitting. fitting. Yeah, yeah. So he he won like a fitting for, and I think he he ended up in an epic. But I'm like, no man, you have to play the vertical groove. <laughs> yes, that is the rules. <laughs> yeah, I, I've actually got one upstairs. I'm I'm keeping all of that one. Yeah, that's a classic. <laughs> Please do. All right. Well, I think we're all gonna gonna miss all of the antics at the PGA show, except for Tony. Nope. nope. <laughs> well, moving on, we do have some new releases that um, came out this week to talk about. Tony, why don't you dig into it for us? Callaway and TaylorMade. Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of flagship sheet. Flagship. Flagship. Might be <laughs> might be something to that. Yeah. It is uh, <laughs> flagship week, if you will, for the biggest, the two biggest brands in the uh, driver space, anyway. So Callaway, you've got a new Epic series, which is Epic Speed, Epic Max, and Epic Max LS, and of course TaylorMade Sim Two, Sim Two Max, Sim Two Max D. So among that group, and and they'll go into retail sheets as a uh, as a single product, probably. Your best-selling driver of the year is going to come out of there. That piece is always interesting. And then from there, it's you know, the, the types of subtle evolution you would expect to see from, from year to year. And you know, if I'm going to pick one thing that kind of stands out, with Callaway anyway, with the Epic Max LS, which is, I don't want to re- say it's a replacement for, but kind of fills the role of the Sub-Zero in the lineup. But this time around, it's not really being billed as this low spin machine like we've seen in years past. It's it's more of a back CG a little bit, more a higher MOI, kind of that high MOI, more forgiving, lowish spin kind of offering. So, you know, we don't know how the numbers are going to shake out, but on paper, it's a little G425 LS tech kind of thinking. So we'll see there. And then TaylorMade with the evolution of Sim 2. And the intriguing thing for me, apart from the the really wild construction where we can dig into if you'd like, but no movable weights mm-hmm. in the TaylorMade driver lineup this year. And that that's pretty significant as well. Chris, I want to come to you because uh, we were talking before the show um, a little bit about the trends and the commonalities that you're seeing between brands. And you've talked to a couple of insiders that have acknowledged as much. Yeah, two, I mean, really two to three things here that, that are kind of coming out as you kind of stack these releases up um, next to one another. And are, are they all fast? They are all fast. <laughs> you have flag sheep, which I believe is a term, a new term that we just invented, which uh, basically means you're, you're a mainline brand, but you're following somebody else. You made that fit really <laughs> well. I don't know, but, <laughs> but product differentiation. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, like Tony just listed with the mainline drivers, three is a very common number, but we're, we're seeing a couple other things. One is kind of the separation between those models. So, you know, going back to like the ping, re- ping release, the low spin option is lower spinning than the previous option, right? The, the one that was kind of maybe more, uh, you know, the SFT slice correcting is even more slice correcting. And so 
you know, whereas you may have had some overlap, uh, you know, if you were to imagine kind of like a Venn diagram. And now the idea is to get those circles as, as, as almost as separate as possible. Almost touching anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's like a tangential relationship, like maybe just mm. at one point or, or something. But so we're seeing more separation between those models. So if somebody needs low spin, it's even more low spin. You know, that's kind of one trend. We're seeing the individualization of it or product differentiation. And the second one is kind of return of the real players hybrid. It's, if you look at the cycle of hybrids over time, like, you know, rescue clubs, and then when TaylorMade came out with that, again, back before, you know, movable weight technology, and they, they would put the, the, the cool little Corvette crest on, on their TP offerings that I still wish they'd bring back. But that was like for, you know, like, hey, it's a rescue club, hence you're in trouble, hence you need something that's not quite a fairway wood, but not a long iron, and, and you didn't have these, like, kind of bigger, chunkier driver, you know, driving iron, so... That was the option, but they were really you know, good for players that needed slice correction. They tend to have a lot of uh, hook bias, more heel-weighted. They got the ball up in the air easier for, for players that maybe didn't have the swing speed to generate enough spin on the ball to get the ball in the air. You've kind of seen that over time, right? And then a couple better players' hybrids came out. Last year, you actually saw guys like Rory and Dustin bagging hybrids, and Dustin even like as of last week and – maybe still this week has like a seven wood in the bag. So you're seeing that space between, you know, really call it like the the longest iron you might carry, four or five iron, and the highest lofted metal wood, maybe three wood even. What's going on in that space? And, and companies are coming back with more player-centric uh, hybrids. And so if you're a better player and you want something that's more like an iron, so a higher spinning hybrid option that you can almost hit more like an iron and really presents itself more like an iron-like ball flight, but slightly higher, but still workable. There's options in the bag um, this year, and, and frankly, probably better options than, than maybe we've ever seen across the board. Callaway has the Apex Pro. We've got some photos on the article there. And, uh, you know, that one I've had in hand, and it is, I mean, Apex Pro has always been a small hybrid, but it's it really is kind of bordering on that that old school kind of peanut shape where you look at it and you're like, all right, you know, this, it looks like a better player's club. And there's, there's one of those in the tailor-made lineup. You know, I, I don't have it in hand yet, but Titleist has something. If you haven't been in a coma, I'm sure you can extrapolate what the name of that product is going to be that, you know, and again, the digital renderings I've seen so far looks like more of that. And, and they've said it's not peanut, it's not a peanut, but it, it's going to be a smaller shape. And yeah, I think for the first time in a while, there's going to be, multiple options in that that smaller hybrid space and it, it's a tough sell right we know what happens when we we publish uh, hybrid articles and that's that you know most people don't care i know i write a lot of them and nobody ever reads them <laughs> i know exactly that's what it feels like um but if you are a guy who's who's gravitated like hey I, I like hybrids i like them as long iron replacements i prefer them to something like a driving iron but I don't want this big body honking hook machine, mm -hmm. then then you're gonna have options this year, which is which is again something we haven't seen in a while. Yep. I, I am terrible. I hook the shit out of hybrids. Like give me like twelve degrees flat, they might <laughs> go straight-ish. I can't handle a, a hybrid. Now I wouldn't mind a, I I'm a driving iron guy, but I would wouldn't mind a smaller compact head with all the weight on the toe and it flat 
setting. So if anyone's listening out there company-wise that wants to make a product just purely for me, because I'm probably the only one that can't hit hybrids, please go ahead. <laughs> Didn't PXG make one of those? Yeah, I was going to say like- Well, the- uh, PXG has a, a, they're not a small hybrid. So I no. mean, this is- still, I, mean, I still, still hooked it, doesn't matter, still hooked it. How many years ago was this, right? Like this, and this is still kind of, yeah. in my mind, almost a perfect example of that type of hybrid, right? Yeah. This Adam's Red and they had the, uh-huh. the waiting system here where you could put it into the toe and order the heel. It's 25 yep. grams. You know, 25 versus two. So you had a fair amount of mass to move around. Uh-huh. Yeah, like this, this in in my opinion, however long ago this was, right? Bernard Longer was uh, still playing Adams and getting new clubs from the company kind of thing. So this, <laughs> this to me is kind of really like the last great hybrid in that space. And, you know, that, that could actually change this year, which would be, you know, cool for guys who love hybrids like I love hybrids. You guys talk about designs resurfacing. Um, if you take a look at the My Golf Spy Twitter as of last week, there's an iron that we're comparing. It's an Adams iron and a Callaway iron. Uh, Tony, are we seeing some of these designs resurface, recycle? What are we seeing? Yeah, yes and no. <laughs> that, that is my uh, that is my weekly <laughs> fence ride right there. Um, it's it's just a function of, of reality, right? So. You know, somebody looks at that new Apex Pro, for example, and sees, you know, the Adams CMB in it, right? A little bit. I looked at it, my first thought was just kind of the way the light hit it and kind of some of the the subtle shaping. I saw a little bit of SM8 wedge in it. You know, you're at a point where to some degree, everything looks like something else because if it didn't, it wouldn't sell well. And so, yeah, you've got to make it visually appealing. There are tried and true rules for that. I mean... I don't, I don't think you absolutely have to, but sort of the industry-wide rule is if, if any part of it is forged, you have to find a way to stamp forged into it. If you've got tungsten, you <laughs> damn sure better stamp tungsten on it too. Right. And so, you know, like, all right, it's got forged, it's got tungsten, it's got the product name. It's got speed in there too. Just throw speed yeah, on if, that if, Yeah, if you've, you know, if there's some, some other technology that warrants uh, mention on the club itself, you include that as well. And... That doesn't give you a whole lot to play with that's left over. And so, yeah, I, I've said for years, like everything looks like something else. Uh, and so, yeah, I look at the Apex and I'm like, uh, whether it's the Apex Pro or even the standard Apex, uh, I'm like, oh, shit, it looks good. So whether you want to say it looks like something else or not, I'm, I don't care. It looks good. Yeah. Chris, what do you think? It's one of those things where I think by and large, people – are want to get more worked up about it than it's probably worth. I mean, things look very similar. I got a, uh, um, you can see that on there. This is a Fujimoto. Uh, this is a Japanese company. This is a Ford CB they have, and it has a big trapezoid there in the middle, kind of. And shaping wise, you'd say, oh my gosh, that looks like what PXG did. You know, last year on the 0311. Well, I can almost guarantee you that trapezoid that- was someone. Uh, what company was that? Well, that was it. That was a shape of a weight we talked about. Tezoid Mizuno. Yeah, that's all right. Mizuno. There you go. Mizuno had Tezoid however many decades ago. And, and I saw, like, you held that up and I saw hints of a Miura iron. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. There's a large portion of the design aspect of, of golf. It's largely, it's a follower industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, how many how many presentations do we see on an annual basis where, you know, a slide is included that shows you where the inspiration <laughs> for that product came from? So right. a lot of automotive stuff. I was looking at Leishman's pictures um, on his Instagram and they look exactly like they did 10 years ago with the original 
two ball putter looks exactly the same. And I wouldn't say that it's companies not coming up with new ideas because the envelope is pretty much pushed. In my opinion, it's, hey, I remember this two ball. It was such a good memory in my mind that if it looks and feels exactly the same, but with technology benefits that you see today, I would buy the crap out of that because it's a, it's like a childhood memory. Nostalgia is a very strong motivator for people. Like you know, I said, hey, I would buy it just because it reminds me of, you know, X, Y, or Z or things that are, you know, vintage, right? And I'd argue that's more about, you know, marketing, sales, et cetera, than it is anything related to performance. But really, you're, you're buying it because it reminds you of something, something else. Well, and the, the timing is right for that. As we've talked about kind of the COVID's impact on golf, it's that you have a lot of guys who have been away from the game for a decade plus in some cases, right? Mm-hmm. Coming back and, and starting to play golf again. Absolutely. And so if you're going to try and reach that customer specifically, give him something familiar, give him a name he knows. And so, hey, yeah, you know what? White hot insert, for example, right? That uh-huh. that's familiar. These these and putter shapes. I mean, they never change because that's what sells. And as soon as you make something wacky, it doesn't sell, and you've you've just pissed away money on R and D. So, yeah, it, it just makes sense. The timeline is right. I would I would be shocked if if you didn't see just about every company who has a product that was was beloved a decade ago try yeah. and bring some flavor of it back in the next year or so. We all have these beards, right? Who started this? I can't say it was me. Right. <laughs> That's a good point. Our facial hair design is a microcosm of the trends within the industrial design industry, which is to say, Tony started the beards. Harry and I thought <laughs> Maybe. subjectively, subconsciously, it looked really good. And, and now look at us. We're, here we are. Just a bunch of beards. Harry is not allowed to shave his or he has to move. Ooh. So. Ooh. It's my It's my way out. <laughs> all right guys well we covered a lot today and i thank you for it so until next week we out